0: It's the ERP Confab. I'm David Essex, industry editor at Search ERP. Vendors have been introducing low-code, no-code development tools that they claim will allow non-technical business users to write enterprise-level software. But how good are these tools? And who really uses them the most? Today's guest, Holger Mueller, Vice President and Principal Analyst at Constellation Research has covered this market extensively for his firm's shortlist reports, and previously worked in software development at SAP and Oracle. Holger, the major ERP vendors, and actually some of the smaller ones too, have been adding these low-code, no-code tools for a good couple years, maybe a little longer. And it's been a real trend. SAP recently introduced Build. It really seems to be an effort among ERP vendors to provide this capability why do you think they've been adding these and making such a big deal out of them in the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, it's a great observation, David. So the background to this is something I see since a number of years coming from the application space, having spent 20 years at SAP and Oracle building software, right? And what we see is this fundamental shift of things moving away from technology not being able to do exactly what business wants and business people telling technologies to make it work. Hasso Plattner finally told the story I knew since the 90s confidentially. where he were saying at Sapphire 2019 or 18 that it was easy to build R2. I just was at our launch customer, ICI, spent the day with the CFO. He would explain to me how business work, and I would program it at night when the mainframe was idle, and uh, there came out the product, right? So the technologist would translate what business will be doing. Now we are in this phase where all of a sudden technology can do more what the current best practices of business demand that is worse maybe that's a bad analogy that's worse than the worst virus for standard software vendors because they want to build things once and sell it to hundreds better to thousands even better to ten thousands of companies but if i don't know how these best practices will be working and what has changes right is what i call the infinite compute of the cloud right for the first time information resources are no longer uh, defined by a finite investment of a capex server like you know the sap system being sized big big business in the past no all of a sudden i can use a little more compute i can store a little more information i can run more ai and the key is i tie the cost of that it to my business success now, if i do more uh, business i can be happy to pay more for it if i do less i want to pay less for that and that changes how business are being run that changes the best practices And they're not defined yet for the 21st century on this infinite compute the cloud provides. And that means you have to enable people who know their business how to build stuff. Sorry, long story, right? There's not enough developers. (laughs) So not all the pro coders can build all the things that enterprise wants. So you have to enable business users to what I call own your automation destiny, right? Because they know they will never get that automation from... Um, their IT budget, their consulting company, their in-house developers because of Bitterfish to So they now can own their automation destiny and build what they want to build and have to build. Mm-hmm. And this kind of like trend coming together of business best practice not being known and the enterprise software vendors having to provide a tool for business users, well, ideally business users who are frustrated and don't see the automation to experiment, to build things by themselves. And that's the trend what we're seeing. This is why we're seeing low-code, no-code codes come up. This is why we also see pass offering coming up, right? So <laughs> I asked um Anil Bushri from, from Workday at the analyst summit back in 2014 if they will ever do a pass. And he thought for a moment and said, no, we will not be doing this. Well, if we do a pass, one of the little p by right, doing the typical integration and extension parts, right? Then they announced uh, the Workday Cloud Platform, which now is Workday Connect, right? So there is a path there, right? We know SAP talking about the BTP, right? Oracle not having a specific name for it, but also around the same moniker, right? I mean, Cloud World was all about a visual builder, which is the Fusion Suite uh, low-code, no-code tool, which Oracle also uses internally. That's an interesting trend too, that these low-code, no-code tools are being used uh, internally by the vendors. And of course, what has been very long around APEX and the database, right? Two low-code, no-code tools uh, for people to build stuff.
0: What's in it for the ERP vendors, do you think? Like, what's their motivation? It's hard to know people's motivation unless they've told you and been honest about it. But is this partly in response to customer complaints that maybe they are not happy with, let's say, the multi-tenant SaaS things that they're, they're starting to use and they need more customization? Or is it that the vendor's feel they need to do this to speed up the cloud migrations? Or is there some other reason, reasons maybe plural, why they're doing this?
1: Right. No, I think it's both sides, right? There's frustration on the end user side, right? On the high level, they're saying, where's the innovation? Where's the vision how ERP should be on the 21st century? It's a chicken and egg problem, right? Because ERP I say, well, I don't know what the business practices are. And they are not boldly building something because they're afraid that they build something with their precious developers, which may not be working right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the time where, because that, that's the difference in the process, right? When, when I listen to you and t- tell me how your business works and I build the closest best thing, we are in a common field, right? Whoever builds the closest best thing, how you want to run your business is going to get your business to automate your enterprise. That is the old world, right? Now in the new world, you don't even know how you will leverage the cloud, how many financial flows you want to run, how many simulations you want to run, how much AI you want to use in your recruiting process, in your performance management process, in running your how many payroll runs, right? Will payroll be always on? Will payroll just run two, three times a month? All these are uncertain things on the higher level, which give it a hard time to the EAP vendor. So I always joke in the past, right, that the past for the EAP vendor is like what is the comfort blanket of Linus the peanuts right who the little boy who always walks around this comfort blanket for whatever anxiety mm-hmm. reasons right the, the reason for the erp vendors enterprise software vendors not just erp right same thing for salesforce and so on is if it doesn't fully fit here's your way to extend to 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 make it work right or to even build something yourself and that's the big difference that we see that these these tools which have always been there for integration right nothing runs by itself you always have the integration options you always had some kind of customization extension option and now these tools are getting beefed up and becoming build options, right? And this, the three basic use cases are called enterprise application platforms, which allow the integration, the extension, and the building of standalone applications. And that's the big innovation happening the last four or five years.
0: How is this going to change the in- nature of the interaction between the professional developer, who will be within a company, a customer, right. yeah, and the business question. side? that's great Yeah, like, you know, because it's, it's, you mentioned earlier at the beginning, you talk about how things used to be developed and how maybe a one day meeting about your business and, you know, there were problems with that too. So how do you think it's maybe is changing the nature of that relationship and maybe what, what more needs to be done so that it works well?
1: Right a great question. And that was one of the mistakes when the first no code local environments came up where right? they were ridiculed by the full code pro code developers, then there was angst around being replaced, what could happen when the business users coming, then there was the backslash on the user side, right, because all of a sudden, business users realized, Oh, this is why the developers, the consultants, the things went over budget, they were not happy with me, because I didn't really think this through, right. So they're internalizing the, how do I really want to run the business and this is the the sad truth of no-code, low-code, right? A lot of that happens in the free time, additional time, because no business user you typically gets in this job description, oh, and you're going to build this little extension to the order entry, to the campaign management, to the hiring process, and so on. No, there, there's people saying, that's it. Is there a tool for that? I hear from someone there's a tool for it. Someone's been using, oh, my vendor is providing me a low-code, no low code I have enough of this. I'm going to work in my free time extra time or get my rest of my business done so it's a very interesting lesson learned also for the business users but uh, the fear initially which was there from the full coders oh we're going to be replaced or of oh, it we're going to have lots of people building software which doesn't scale that there will be something which will not perform correctly that all has pretty much been put to bed many pro coders are using low code now because it's just faster right because at the end of the day no matter if you're a full code developer or no code developer, business user, it's all about getting the software done. It's all about developer velocity, right? And uh, at the end of the day, everybody wants to go home <laughs> instead of spending time on their computers to other stuff, right? So if something gets me, that funder faster has taken the fear of the pro code developer from the no code environments away. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that, not- that is an old conversation that the pro coders are fearing the no code rise. Hmm. Yeah? Interesting.
0: I'm wondering if there are within the business user community, some users that would use low code and maybe these are the people that are out there already often like in the F P and a side, the, you know, financial analytics who can do, who are comfortable doing Excel macros, which is a type of programming using a tool that's
1: more friendly. looking.
0: Yeah. Is that who it is? If anyone's going to do it on the business
1: side? Um, Well, we've seen the low-code, no-code kind of like in the Excel automation, right? Or in the Word automation, right? Which has the Microsoft Visual Basic was a big thing, right? Visual Basic was an empowering of business. So you've seen these things before. They came from the um, productivity solution side and they came from the low-end entry to coding with Visual Basic side, right? Now they're coming as bona fide frameworks of the enterprise software vendors. But it's a huge part, right? Look look at the Salesforce numbers, right? I mean, Salesforce does more business on platform with development tools Mm -hmm. than in the automation areas, right? They kind of try to hide it when that fourth bar got too big, They, they separate between Slack and other stuff, right? But everybody can do the visual math or the real math and add up those two and say, oh, yeah, Salesforce does more business on the platform side than in the business automation side. And there's no better example of the uh, manifestation of the business best practice uncertainty that we live in right now, that the vendors all are retrenching, saying, look, we have to look at the pools. And to a certain point, it's a fair answer because the tools have to change as they're moving to the cloud, right? And the cloud enables more things and to build better code, right? If you look at the full code part where there's an AI assistant writing the code, looking at the code and so on, right? The cloud enables again, through the infinite compute, cheap compute, new coding best practices, which will also come to the aid of the business user who wants to own their automation destiny. You mentioned Visual Basic. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember trying to use that. So you can tell I'm not a I'm not a pro coder. <laughs> but there was this whole category of rapid application development tools. And then there was, you know, business process exactly. management. The last yep. time I looked at it looked like end user friendly diagramming tools that are connected to a program yep. in the back. Why are these low code tools going to be any better or are they any better than those rapid application tools and, and BPM? Or how do they maybe differ and are used for different purposes.
1: That's a great question, David. I mean, uh, yeah, remember Power Builder, right? So which oh, was yeah. the gold standard yes. for building client server applications. So, so every technology shift, right, has seen a reflection on the developing tools for it, right? So Visual Basic was very, very important for building thousands of Windows applications, yeah? because they had the original control that the local field was easy to do, right? It was to get people and build applications on the Windows platform, right? Power Builder was super important to build database-independent client server applications in the enterprise, right? Uh, and we see that that every new technology change, the technology is now the cloud brings on a new set of developer tools capabilities. The problem or the challenge is um, there's no developer companies anymore, right? Remember Borland, whatever, right? They all got killed by Microsoft at the end of the day with development environments. And there's a huge push on Microsoft side and low-code, no-code for, for power apps, right? And Microsoft, interestingly, put um, the, the head of business applications and power-ups is reporting to the same person right which in itself is on the one side potentially interesting but on the flip side shows the problem of saying hey David I'm trying to sell you this automation oh it doesn't fit then buy this tool right but these two things right don't really necessarily work together if it's offered as part of the offering you're still going to buy my applications and we have a tool if you want to extend something it's a different conversation so I'm not sure if Microsoft has figured that out but huge push across all the IT parts, because they're all Microsoft customers of using Power Apps from that perspective, right? So every new platform requires new business, uh, new development tools. That's what we know from the past. Now it's for the first time, thanks to the browser, thanks to the internet, that these tools get as I hate the word, but it's true, they get democratized, right? Everybody can do them as long as it's simple enough, right? And we finally get to where building software can be done safely in a scalable way in a good way. It's no longer running in your Excel spreadsheet, because if you don't have my spreadsheet, you don't have my macro, right? <laughs> you have to import the macro, right? This was like Stone Age ways, whereas now people with low code, no code skills can build enterprise scale applications. And so, so it's a very powerful, and it's very important because at the end of the day, the backdrop before, right, I talk about business best practices and uncertainty, the, the backdrop before is all companies become software companies and we don't have enough developers, right? The number of developers is constantly somewhere between 30 and 40 million, which is a huge number, but it's not enough for the automation and the experimentation we need on business best practices for the 21st century to sort that out. And the big question for me is like, will there be the defined best practices? This is how your business in the cloud era in five, 10 years when the university does something like, basically I'm saying, we remember this, right? We're waiting for the Professor Hammer of client server to come out for the cloud error, right? So theoretically, as everything goes in circles, right? Science research should pick up and say, this is how you should run business. But the question is, is the science uh, research circle fast enough, which personally I've my doubts to catch the technology innovation path, right? So companies will be by themselves fixing, uh, choosing their low-code, no-code tools. Obviously, when I have the bulk of my information from a standard software vendor, I will use their tools, right? And this is where you see, and I have the market overview for enterprise application platform. Every ERP, every business software vendor has an extent, integrate, and build, right? Build capability. And the build capability, in more cases than not, has a low-code, no-code option, or is only running in low-code, no-code. This goal of expanding the
0: pool of developers, that's something that SAP played up. Yes, at their tech ed, when they introduced their build low code tool, and Julia White, the CMO, I think she said, "What did she say? They either need two million more uh, SAP developers. I mean, that's the ecosystem. Yep. That's that's yep. you know everyone, not just within SAP. Right. so oh, But
1: there, there's about two million ABAP developers, right? So, but these are the pro code, full code developers, right? And mm-hmm. SAP." had to do the dance we talked about quickly that the pro coders were afraid of the low code, no codes, what could go wrong, my job's gonna at this. I think they did a pretty good job at balancing those fears and talking about them both. I would have loved for them to lead on the ABAP side because that's a typical audience uh, at this, at uh, TechEd, right? Who's there. So, so don't get them on the head and then tell, out and not worry, it's not gonna be so bad. No, talk about the evolution of ABAP, talk about the challenge and that. And ideally you manage to combine the two. I mean, you see this really well at Oracle, Um, because Oracle, the Visual Builder tool, is the one that Oracle's application development is building with. And this is basically the knighthood for any uh, enterprise software vendor's development tool if you say, look, the same thing we're building this is what you can use. That gives you the trust. It gives the same look and feel. It has efficiencies on the identity, on the login, on the security, on the scalability side, right? That's what you actually want to achieve, right? And that's the next step coming back to SAP of SAP saying, oh, and by the way, but we need higher productivity for our in-house developers, and they're using SAP Build for these and these use cases, these and these applications, and so on. Do you think that
0: the story, maybe I misunderstood what you just said about Oracle, do you think that they had the potential conflicts figured out better, and that the, the fact that the tool is the same tool that they use internally, did they have their strategy figured out better than SAP, or are they roughly comparable?
1: You only look Oracle as application vendor, it's very compatible, right? only that Oracle is two, three years ahead. Right, because they have applications built on Visual Builder in application development, right? Complete licensable modules. SAP is not there yet. But then if you take Oracle as a total, right? I mean Oracle supports the largest uh, developer community out there, right? You have 12, 13 million developers, which is Java, right? So Oracle knows this dichotomy between full code low code business and so on better than probably anybody because they have the largest pro code developer community and the second or largest uh, application developer side on that side so they decided to go down two separate code tools which i think is valid because you don't want to touch the java franchise of low code no code the interesting thing is behind many of these low code no code tools runs all the information all the innovation which came with the original sun java a virtual machine to create this portability and scalability of of the code. right? They're pretty much all of them are Java bytecode compatible, meaning they, they're leveraging, standing on shoulders of giants, um, the work that Sun has put in with Java originally.
0: If this category of software is really for traditional developers, professional mm-hmm. developers, how do you think increased use of low code tools will change the nature of enterprise software development and how developers
1: do their jobs. So first maybe on the nature of that, right? Maybe we're moving into a non monolithical world, which personally I hope, right? So this this one size fits all of the traditional EAP system, right? And if it doesn't fit, you have to configure it. And while you configure it, it gets more complex, right? Enterprise operate on different business model best practices, right? If you think like, like a company like GE or... Or like a siemens who have like consumer business and sell uh, nuclear power plants right i cannot do this with the same order entry system right My go-to-market will be fundamentally different That we come to a world where there's more componentized different things and then like we said before software is what runs these companies software is a competitive asset to run a competitive strategy so my same thing was: you have to hire developers again to build things, right? If they will building them with the pro code tools of the past, or if they will leverage really well working low code, no code tools, that remains to be seen. But we might be going into no longer the standard software world approach, but saying like I'm using some standard components, but then I'm building my differentiation where it matters to me as an enterprise with these tools. I'm actually wondering what the
0: new these tools these low code tools will help the professional developers accomplish that was harder to do before.
1: There's many things, right? So if if you build things by yourself in a pro code platform, you have to worry about the most basic things of like how will your user sign in? How will the user get access to things? How you do security? How do you bring in your extra schema in combination with the standard software? How will that be all the trivial thing be backed up, right? Brought back, transported somewhere? Right? You have to worry about all these things. All these things are answered when you do this in the tool of the ERP vendor of the enterprise software vendor, right? Because it's the standard parts of it. So it's a significant productivity boost for a pro code developer. This is why we see pro code developers using much much more low code no code environments because they're solving the business needs of getting something built simply faster, right? It's all about developer velocity, right? Everybody wants to be home for dinner or have time for dinner instead of building some code with some tools which are hard to use. And this is a fundamental shift also in the developer and the pro code developer community, for putting more and more application platform-specific badges, certifications up there, right? It's no longer like I'm a full code Java developer, JavaScript developer a Python developer and so on, right? It matters more and more which business applications can you deliver a result quickly. Whereas Mm -hmm. the purest Procode developers, the numbers are slowly going down.
0: You wrote or co-wrote a shortlist reports. There's just something Constellation Research your employer does a lot of, and these are on low-code, no-code tools. Mm-hmm. Um, one w- report was about tools specifically for SAP systems, the what? other was about low code tools and platforms. I, th- I think they're not tied to any one vendor ecosystem. How maturing general are these tools?
1: Oh, people are building stuff with them every day and running stuff every day right and very, very interesting stuff every day right I mean yeah so we do the shortlist quickly we try to help companies practice what I do the research enterprise acceleration right select your enterprise software first faster. Don't do a long list, mid uh, but look at these ones where we know these are good vendors is why you publish the shortlist twice a year. And yeah, the SAP ecosystem is so big, while at the same time, we know SAP doesn't have enough developers in-house themselves, right? They're not building software fast enough. That was the big relevation of Sapphire with the admittance of that. You see this across the industry, right? You see. All the ERP vendors changing their partner strategy, why they want to get partners to do something because they're not developers. So this is why we did a separate shortlist for SAP systems with five vendors on them. And people are building standalone real world applications, right? I can make one example, for instance, a, a Neptune software is only in the SAP ecosystem example. It's a published case study. There's a German service janitorial service vendor, Dussmann, and um, I wrote the case study about them. The margins in that business are so low that the HCM software license is too expensive. And three non coders, non developers, business users in a, in a communications department is an interesting wrinkle that communications and HR came together, but build a complete HR solution on the platform. Yeah, so employee self service, vendor self service, time entrance. Now they moved payroll to it which is unbelievable, right? So it's, it's also, if I would be like in Waldorf and Redwood shores, some alarm bells should be going on. If like three business users can build an HCM solution good enough for a janitorial service company, uh-huh. yes, it might not have all the bells and whistles and so on, but the UI is attractive. It runs on the smartphones of the people. You can imagine if you can't buy the license of an HCM system for these users, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not money being made. Uh, you, you can't provide them a system. So it's bring your own device. So that shows the evolution of, of low-code, no-code really well. And obviously, people clocking in, getting paid shows it, this is a critical application, right? It's a domain where normally you would never say, hey, no, I'm not going to go into time Attend, shift planning and attendance of these things, right? It's so, like
0: bringing back the days of um, homegrown systems internally developed. Maybe not fully, but... Yes, yeah.
1: no, no, it has to, right? So, so, so if you take the macro-level perspective, I always say, the cloud era is like the mainframe era. So I'm, 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 we're both too young to live at the beginning of the mainframe era. So uh, thirty years ago, old IT guys were telling me, "Do you know when you negotiate hard with IBM, what you would get? You would not get a discount on the hardware. You get developer years for free, right? Because the hardware, the platform was there. IBM knew you have to build the software. And now the cloud is here, and everybody knows you need to build the software. To you cannot wait, right? This is the interesting thing: the the adoption, the disruption process are too fast for someone to say, all right, we're going to use our old, say, client server system before we move to the cloud Till SAP, Oracle, Workday, and what else, have figured out how the best practices work, right? You will not be in business anymore, right? So the answer can only be to build code, and low code, no code is super important from that perspective, obviously.
0: I might have misunderstood you. In some cases, people are developing the app they need, and it's not that they're extending let's say s for hana Cloud or Oracle ERP Cloud, or is it both? Sometimes mm-hmm. they're doing a new thing and sometimes they right. are extending. Okay, right.
1: yeah. yeah. And so so this is why the, the, these EIP platforms, enterprise application platforms, support these three generic scenarios, the classic integration, the classic extension, I still can't build my own HR system, and then the build scenario, where I build something from scratch, which runs in the ecosystem, of course, of, of that of that application vendor.
0: Is there any type of thing you might've mentioned already that these tools are best for and any anything that they're not so good at?
1: Well, they, they have features inside of them, right? I would not necessarily, because they're more about building things fast, not building things in a super expensive, super scalable way. I would not build a manufacturing planning engine on this. I would not build a payroll system on them, right? I would leave that uh, to a pro code environment, right? Where scalability really matters, massive scalability. But the cloud, all these solutions scale horizontally. Yeah, you're going to have more users using this. Uh, you can hopefully have more business because you tied your business to your IT spend, and you're more than happy to pay for it, right? So that's that's the interesting, interesting part for it. So at the end of the day, there's nothing you should really shy away from. It may not have the scalability you want. But business users who use ProCode, code will not build a new payroll. <laughs> so,
0: are any of the local tools that have been introduced by these ERP vendors, are they truly homegrown? We know, for example, that SAP Build is, mm-hmm. I think, partly not entirely based on AppGiver, which right. SAP acquired.
1: Yeah, yeah no, uh, it really depends, right? Different strategies everywhere. Uh, partnerships, acquisitions like at SAP. SAP w- uh, took that path. Um, Oracle is completely native, right? Built by themselves. Workday is completely native, built by themselves. Info is completely native, built by themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft Dynamics, you can, of course, discuss they're using <laughs> their low code no-code environment, right, which um, is standalone available as well, right? So Power Apps, we can argue where that is, right? Salesforce has an equally thing to straddle um, because they have the developer environments and the things which they put in their platform. But um, that's something which Oracle has shown. You can do that, right? So you can have Java as a pro-code development environment and Visual Builder and APEX, they have two, right? You can choose because if you look at Oracle more and Packet more, right? It's not just developers and applications. No, there's also a database. And surprisingly, the database right away, that's the oldest low-code environment at Oracle, right? Older than Java before the acquisitions, Apex and the database where you can very, very quickly build tiny little departmental originally positioned business applications.
0: Is there an advantage to buying the low-code tool that's offered by the ERP vendor instead of buying one of these other tools that from what i could tell and i haven't visited their websites fully yet that it supports more than one system any disadvantages to and and there are any disadvantages maybe to using like the homegrown thing that visual oracle has
1: but great question it comes back to your enterprise software landscape right if you have multiple systems and automation needs across them, you will try to standardize this, right? It's very similar things. We see this playing from the integration side, right? You use integration tools of your systems or uh, vendors, or do you have a standalone third-party integration tool like Informatica, MuleSoft, and so on, right? So the same thing is here, only that we see the democratization of these tools. You don't even know which low-code, no-code tools somebody might be running on the department level, right? Which you got from Microsoft, right? So, so because you, Microsoft is everywhere. You can see that, right? Uh, I can go always to my browser and go to Appian, Creatio, Mendix, uh, OutSystems, which are the other vendors next to uh, Neptune on our shortlist, doing a little promotion here, right, and and use them. And I don't even know about it, right? Because the APIs are published, I just see the API consumption on IT security backend side, right? And I see stuff going through ports. But as long as it's uh, the secured way, which I opened up as IT, I can't say anything about that. So it really comes back to, do you want to have code assets for your not the enterprise developers, but for your end user developers to be reused across multiple platforms, and that can be quite a stretch, right, we're not that mature in that space yet, but if you look to to some of the more established vendors like an Appian, Appian will provide you a front end to go into different ERP backends right on the low code, no code side. So, Hmm. the answer is easy, it's two words, it it depends.
0: David. if these things get popular, where could this go? Like, what could be, if, if they take off and reach their potential and people do use more of them, them more and more, what is the potential? Like, what could this do for, let's say, the the usefulness of enterprise apps or just, you know, digital transformation, yeah. that kind of thing?
1: It's massive, right? Because we always talk, since uh, standard software is there, we talk about the long tail, which the vendor, which consulting budgets, IT teams will never get to, Right. Now these users who are affected, right, because if you add up the use case on long tail, you end up with every business user having two or three scenarios where the long tail is not being automated well, right. So for the source time see the empowerment and enablement of long tail automation, yeah, what could possibly go wrong, <laughs> what could possibly happen, It right? will have much, much more software enablement. And the newer generations are more ready to risk things, the millennials to do things and unhappy if something is there and you give them an outlet to build something. So you would see much, much more low-code, no-code applications in the space than you probably ever dreamed before, right? In the longer run, the low-code, no-code applications, all application development follows this old paradigm, which I can see being replaced already, which is the user has to show up to something. Hmm. Right? so, so the new thing will be is autonomous software, self-driving software. Hey, David Holger, you click these things three, four times. I automated this for you. Is that okay? And hmm. oh, by the way, I know what you're going to do. <laughs> Let me run this for you, right? So, so it's, it's the software looking what people are doing and automating things where you see we spend manual time on a repetitive base, right? That's low-hanging fruit, right? Again, what could belong big, big brother, whatever, lots of things, but it has to be that point because at least on the planet, right, we're running out of hands, right, all the automation percentage, the hand-to-machine automation has to change, right, in the OPEC first world countries, we're moving from six people working, supporting one retired person, to two people working, supporting one retired person, we can only get there through massive, massive automation, and the traditional thinking is, oh, we do this through software, great, which still has to be built in the artisan craftsmanship way of somebody showing up, understanding the tool, going for the blood, sweat, and tears to get well, getting it live, getting approved to IP, and then it's great, right? And then it breaks three weeks later, whatever, right? No, it should be like seeing what is happening in the enterprise, what are people doing, where they're spending their time on, what are the repetitive parts, where the strategic process next fast of the repetitive ones, and how can they be automated?
0: That's a, that's a pretty hopeful view of, and I'm impressed by it, by the way, of, of automation, of the potential of this thing to figure out what you're doing and you know, tying it to the people paying into the retirement system, because I often take the darker view, which is, you know, it's Mm. going to eliminate jobs and all that. But if I understood you correctly, you're saying that keeping the business value going and and just sort of the engine of the economy going and then supporting this larger group of people like me and you, I guess, that are going to retire eventually yeah <laughs> is that was that was, was that what you're saying that, that 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 that's how this automation rather than hurting people and creating poverty, could
1: I err on the positive side. I'm optimistic from that perspective, right? And uh, there's so many scenarios in the past. Remember all these unemployed truck drivers, mm-hmm. <laughs> which were supposed to be there from the self-driving truck and uh, wherever yeah. the self-driving <laughs> truck. and and uh, look, Walmart's paying uh, the truck drivers one hundred thousand bucks to drive trucks around, right? because yeah. there's such a shortage on the one side i mean, bill gates has this great quote right we overestimate what's going to happen in one year we underestimate what's going to happen in 10 years Mm yeah so which is i think very valid from that perspective but and then you look at places where you see unfavorable out uh, generational automation in japan right which is a an overly old society where already since 10 years seniors prefer a robot to service them than a human because the robot is always available Right, is under my control. I can do the plug, they're not going to steal something from me. Right? I was just I thinking
0: of that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the technology, <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah. So, so, so we need uh, the automation, the artificial intelligence, the self driving, the autonomous capabilities um, to, to maintain and keep doing what we're doing to get the productivity levels. I mean, think about, right? One person living in retirement and two people having to pay for it and living by themselves too, right? completely different ways how to get taxation benefits and so on, which is all the writing on the wall, (laughs) which is coming towards us. So I'm more than happy to get any automation that we can get. And you're right, right? People have to uh, augment their skills, right? Upskilling and and staying up to speed with your skills, uh, lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. Uh, You better endorse that, right? If, If you have a job today, which can be taken away by cheap, easy automation, you better start looking for a better another job. And yeah. of course, the flip side is that the hope is that the automation gains allow things like a basic income that people who yeah. don't have the skills are all people, we we don't have to work, right? Wouldn't be great. We would do podcasts all day, David. I, I must <laughs> I must admit the
0: chat GPT uh yeah. technology has been getting a lot of discussion among my journalism friends and co
1: workers I'm very, very <laughs> sure. Yeah, and all the generative AI is very, very interesting, right? If you look what start with Dali and our forgot the name of the other one, right? Where you just type a sentence and it creates a unique picture for you, right? So yeah. so we're seeing that uh, AI is doing sort of creative things, right? But uh, at, at the end of the day, right? Isn't it more fun to do a podcast and write a piece about this with your hands without dictating it, right? Which technology, if ChatGPT can listen to this and yeah. writes your post, I mean, hey, maybe you don't tell whoever your boss is that it was written by AI, but uh, why right. not go out and enjoy the nice weather, right? Or maybe it'll be
0: an assistant, and then you do a little cleanup, and that'll yeah. still count as a as a reason to keep paying me and my co Exactly. Yeah.
1: It yeah. will be a long time until we'll be perfect. It will be a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good to end on a positive note, uh, Holger. I appreciate your time, and always great to chat with you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, David.